You're listening to Motor Mouth with Andrew McCready and David Booth. Thanks for tuning in to the latest Motor Mouth podcast. I'm Andrew McCready, and I'm playing the role of straight man to veteran automotive journalist David Booth. How are you doing, David? Really, really good. It's Thanksgiving Monday, so you're the only work I have today. Excellent, and and I will say you are the same for me. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll do this, and then have our turkey, and hopefully this and hopefully this show isn't a turkey, but it never is, is it? No, it isn't. Okay, so the theme of today's podcast revolves around a recent Motormouth column you wrote entitled Global EV Dominance, Now a Straight Fight Between China and the United States. Distill that down a little, and that translates to a fight between tri- Chinese EV automaker BYD and Tesla. So what, what, are you, what are you positing here, David? Well, there's no doubt that Tesla is by far the dominant player um, in North America and on the luxury side in the world, uh, I just looked up the numbers. I think it's 61% of all EVs, let alone um, luxury EVs in North America are Teslas. And, you know, um, Bloomberg just did an excellent article um, on the fact that um, the domestic automakers are committing quite a bit uh, I won't say wholeheartedly, but quite a bit to electrics, and it's just not working for them. So uh, when you when you say domestics, you mean like the GMs, the the, the GM, the Ford, the, the Stellantis. I, I I know that they're not really Stellantis isn't really Chrysler anymore, and it isn't really part of the big three. But in terms of their mindset, in terms of large pickups and everything else sold here in North America, they certainly act like a domestic uh, automaker. So, you know, I mean, they're, you know, the F-150 is not doing very well. I think I saw some crazy number, like 27 um, so electric Silverados was how many General Motors sold in the last quarter. Um, uh, Ford is saying they're losing four and a half, will lose four and a half billion U.S. dollars on EVs in the next 12 months. Uh, none of the news that is coming out of again, domestic automakers um, to try to challenge um, um, the um, uh, Tesla is, is, is good news. On the other side of the pond in Europe, um, uh, BYD is just killing the European automakers transition to electric vehicles. Um, the Volkswagen CEO basically said, our house is on fire. Um, BYD has a huge price advantage compared to um, the European domestic automakers. Uh, I've seen anything between uh, ten to fifteen thousand euros as an absolute number, or a fifty percent less uh, uh, cost to produce um, uh, than their European equivalents. In another study, either way, uh, BYD. Um, the impetus of the story was BYD just passed um, or just equaled Tesla in global EV sales. And a lot of that came because they grew 323%, I think is the number in Europe in the last six months. So, and now European automakers are basically saying, we just can't compete. And truth be told, if when China turns its eyes on uh, the United States and Canada, we won't be able to compete either. 
so so how are how is how is BYD a Chinese company a Chinese automaker how are they how are they doing this I mean how everybody what secret sauce do they have to produce these vehicles at such a cheaper rate It's not it's not magic it's really not magic they got, they've got a virtual monopoly on um rare earth metals that are used in permanent magnet motors electric motors um they've done a really good job through their geopolitics and let's just call a, a a shovel a shovel shall we that um you know their geopolitics are very harsh but they've managed to extract great deals for lithium and, and and other materials to build a lot of batteries they've subsidized their industry huge i mean so long before it was even a twinkle in america's eyes they were their fleets their government fleets were only buying electric vehicles they were doing that as early as 2018 they pay their workers so much less than ours i mean it's i believe the number is around $5 US an hour for an auto assembly worker which is about well by the time these UAW contracts are done at least a, a tenth less i mean a tenth of what american and canadian auto workers make um so the, you know between policy cheap wages and some monopolies and quasi monopolies on materials it's not rocket science you know you you know i mean america could make a lot cheaper vehicles than they do if their own auto makers were making 5 bucks an hour right right so i know both you and i have seen byd vehicles um at auto shows um i've never driven one i'm not sure if you have but what are you hearing about the quality because that's the question isn't it that's the kind of unknown about these vehicles at least in the north american market I think I drove yes I did drive one when they were uh, a, a long time ago 5 6 years ago 7 god I can't remember um is there the the bottom line is the quality good enough to keep up uh, compared to say um uh, uh a uh, a premium priced american or uh, or european built ev I, I don't think so not yet will they get there possibly i wouldn't say undoubtedly but the bigger question is is their quality good enough for the price they're charging and yeah they are i mean that's right. really borne out in europe because you see quite like you see a lot of them now in especially in the countries that are most disadvantaged uh, economically in europe uh, you know i mean teslas and volkswagens are hugely popular in um in in uh, Norway for instance where which buys a lot of EVs and it's got a lot of sub or up until this year had a lot of subsidies on EVs um in other countries perhaps um you know the uh, Mediterranean countries that aren't nearly as economically well endowed as the northern european countries i think you'll see a lot more chinese imports you know if you go to croatia i mean croatia is a great place i just visited their home to rumac um very pro EVs uh, but I saw BYDs there for sure so where does this leave the the you know the traditional big guys and and you know you've mentioned Volkswagen I'm thinking Toyota I'm thinking General Motor Motors are are we looking at a seismic shift in the next 10 years of the of the 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 heavyweights of the automotive industry it really depends um 
you and I discussed this off the radio. It really depends on the on on one factor is how serious are we about the 2035 goals? If those are absolutely carved in stone, you know, if some if we all become uh, you know autocratic states and the 2035 um, um, standards come you know January 1st 2035 are absolutely rigidly enforced I really don't see how we uh, European and North American automakers can can keep up we'll discuss this more after our break but you know with the protectionism and the subsidies that are now sort of kind of a little bit making it competitive and Europe is thinking of imposing more you know, they, you can get close to where uh, a, a North American or a European built car is sort of competitive with the Chinese car. But how long can you keep up that subsidization is would be the big, biggest question. If you assume that at, at some point in time, you can't keep pouring money at the problem that, you know, if you're going to sell in North America, um, 20 million in uh, 20 million cars per year, and you can't subsidize them to the tune of 10 to 15,000 US dollars each per car between the consumer subsidy and the battery subsidy. Then, uh, then if you if you believe that we can't afford that, those billions upon billions of dollars to keep our uh, prices competitive, then it's kind of hard to see how the Chinese won't become a serious player around the world, if not the dominant player around the world. Now, if you extend the, the uh, deadline out to 2040 or say 50, 40 to 60% EVs, 30% PHEVs and 20% HEVs, that takes some of the pressure off some of the price points because understand um, while China does build good EVs um, um, basically because they're, they started earlier than we did. Their internal combustion engine cars, even their HEV, uh, their hybrids, are not nearly as good as what the traditional automakers make. So they wouldn't be competitive at all. So it would take some of the pressure off. Um, and then it might be pos it might limit their impact. But as long as these mandates are absolutely strict, I'm divided as to whether they are as strict as they're, uh, as they're purported to be. But if they are considered extremely strict and, and, and literally carved in stone like Moses's tablets, then I think that there's just no possible way to resist um, the invasion of Chinese EVs that Europe has already seen. Yeah, I think you and I have discussed this on past episodes. Um, neither of us believe these things are written in stone simply as because as we approach that date and the mandate of 2035 being that every vehicle sold in Canada needed to be an electric vehicle. Um, we'll, you know, the policymakers, the politicians and, and the industry will realize, wait a minute, this isn't attainable. We're going to have to push this out five years. Well, let's let's understand that. The 2035 date is purely a political um, um, choice. I mean, there was very there was very little science saying 2035. I mean, you know, it started in California, um, and a whole bunch of people started adopting it, and it was just look what California's doing, and it was politicians running the show. I I can absolutely 
absolutely without a doubt tell you, because I've done the research here in Canada, that none of the decisions um, from the point from from our subsidies, the amount that we subsidize, the um, uh, the cost of the cars we're willing to subsidize, there was absolutely no research done by our federal liberal government into the into the rules they passed. So if it's if you believe that that's a political um, a, it's a political mandate as opposed to a uh, an actual policy uh, with research behind it man- mandate, then come 2035, the choice will be simple. Let's pretend, and God help us all, Justin Trudeau is still in power in 2035. Uh, if 4% of the population refuses to buy um, um, EVs and still wants to buy ICEs, and they all live in Alberta, Justin's not going to do anything different. He's going to make it absolute uh, an absolute edict. And the people in Alberta who he doesn't seem to care too much about will just have to, you know, go cold turkey. If the number is more like 40%, even the Liberals can't uh, t- turn away 40% of voters because those 40% will vote. If they've held out that long, they will vote against the people that will rigidly enforce their mandate. So it really is, depends on what the numbers are uh, at the time in 2035. But understand well and truly, this is a political mandate. Yeah, right. And that kind of circles back to our original topic about this idea of dominance of maybe the two BYD and Tesla, simply because they will be producing on a volume and a scale and at a price point that can fulfill that mandate. Uh I'd like to separate a little bit of that. I, Tesla in China, I guess, will obviously be able to do everything that you just said. But uh, Tesla has some advantages here in America that they're not union um, driven. So I, th- I think their um, uh, wages are about 20% lower than the uh, UAW afflicted plants. And the, so they're still going to have problems competing against BYD here in, in America, you know, with, with plants built in America. Absolutely. And, and, and let's actually, we'll talk about it after the break, but you know, the new, the new contract is just going to make that with the UAW is just going to make that much, much worse. Right. Okay. Well, let's take a break here. And um, as David has alluded to, we're going to talk about protectionism, which is a, a, a massive kind of, storm on the horizon i think um in what's happening here and also we'll talk about another one which is the kind of union wages that we're seeing in america for um ev production and battery plants which which is going to make making cheap evs difficult we'll be right back and we're back with david so the elephant in the room at this discussion of course is the seemingly inevitable rise of protectionism in countries um, that maybe see their domestic automotive industry damaged by cheap incoming uh, imports. Um, we This is nothing new in the automotive industry. We've seen it for decades across the world, tariffs, other devices. How do you see it? I mean, David, you wrote about the fact that in Italy and, and some European countries, they're already looking into this, or at least they're starting the process of, of determining if it's, if and when they should bring in tariffs. Yes. I mean, it's really quite interesting in Europe. Um, again, uh, the, the, all the automakers have varying degrees of urgency to the discussion that we can't compete. Um, you know, like I said, the Volkswagen 
um, our house is on fire. Um, and really what they're, again, uh, trying to compete against is these low-cost um, Chinese imports. And as I said, they're ten to $15,000 um, are euros less expensive. And understand that Europe, unlike North America, so far in North America, everything's been large pickup trucks and Teslas and, and, and everything else. And the, despite the fact that they've cut the price of, uh, Model Y quite a bit lately, Tesla again today, I believe, because sales are down. Um, it's not a cheap car. You, you drive in Europe, everything's a tiny, cheap little car. Okay. Fiat 500. Um, you know, you, you drive a Toyota Corolla in Europe, in Europe. Um, that's a big car. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big car for them. So, um, you know, they like their cheap cars and the only ones that can build those small, cheap cars for even remotely close money to the um, to the cheap cars they're buying now is China. And so what they've, uh, the other thing that's really quite interesting, and I didn't know this until I researched the story last week, was that the European um, model, the European Union, and I'm guessing this was to prevent um, um, inter-EU competitions where Germany subsidizes its cars um, uh, 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 and, and Germany, France, and Italy get in a subsidization battle. You're not allowed in Europe to subsidize domestic production based on the place and locale of where the car is produced. In other words, you can't, France can't say, okay, uh, um, French built cars get a $10,000 um, um, or 10,000 euro subsidy, but German, Italian, and Chinese cars uh, are not allowed that same subsidy. So this applies to countries outside the EU. Also. It does. It does. Right. At least according to Reuters. And I, you guess what? I'll, I'll believe Reuters for now. Okay. So, uh, and, and it appears to be true because France already has this. Uh, uh, has uh, passed this bill about a month ago, and and Italy is uh, said to be strongly considering it. And and um, what they're going to do is allow a subsidy of cars based on their total lifetime carbon output. That includes, of course, the carbon output they save, of course, by being electric and everything else. But more importantly, for this discussion. It includes the amount of carbon emitted in the production of the EVs. Now, I know that for a lot of people out there, it's um, uh, China is the darling because that, you know, about 38% this uh, currently EV usage, but all their cars are produced on, if not pure coal power plants, pretty darn close. Um, to the point where the lifetime emissions of an EV in China is about five times as much as one built in Europe. Okay. That's the numbers. Okay. So uh, basically they'll just say um, if, if the lifetime emissions of a car are less than X and I'm guessing they're going to make X so that it, uh, it encompasses every car made in Europe. But if it's larger than X, you don't get the subsidy. That's how they'll manage to cut um, China out of those subsidies. And it's a good system if you really want to block Chinese sales because 
China is very good on its feet and quick on its feet and everything else, but they can't slow down. They've got thousands of, of, of coal-fired plants, um, and uh, they can't turn that around on a dime. They can they can do a lot of other things. They can change the style of their cars. They can advance the um, the efficiency of their batteries. They seem to be pretty good at that, but they cannot attack the their weakness in um, in carbon production, uh, carbon carbon dominant energy production. So that's what that's what uh, Europe uh, is doing to 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 uh, to, um, to prevent. Sales like that's what they've started to doing. If you know the European Union and have followed it, at least in, as I have in cars, they're really slow to move. We, the, 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 for this to be if, uh, implemented in all countries and be effective, it, it'll take at least two or three years. Who the whole heck knows what happens in in, in that time? Yeah, we we should note. I was going to say we should note too that that Teslas sold in Europe are built in China. Yes, and in fact, Tesla is, and, and some of them, not all of them. There's some uh, they got a plant in Berlin, but they there are some um, uh, some of the uh, Teslas that are sold in Europe will come to uh, from China, and they uh, there is um, a, a definitive um, a willingness to put Tesla. In with the, to lump China, uh, Tesla with all the other Chinese brands and 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 tax them or non subsidize them uh, as as they would BYD. They're not going to get an exception on this. I mean, when we're talking protectionism, um, you've written extensively about America's um, IRA, the um, Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, that is, I mean, you know, that's that's pure protectionism. That's taking. Oh, place. It, it is. It is. You know, it's. I, I, I think you'll well remember when the IRA first got passed, I knew about it probably three weeks before um, anybody else and probably four or five weeks before I published it because the numbers were just so stupid. I, I, I remember calling you and going, I, I can't believe these numbers are real and I must be making a mistake. But it's the largest amount of money I've ever heard for any kind of program. It's almost, I was trying to think of a metaphor and the only metaphor I could come up with is uh, like a, a country or America on a war footing and having to produce all the tanks and the planes that they did in, in the second world war. That's the only kind of metaphor I can come up for how much money is being tossed at, at, at electric vehicles right now. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to be, the conservative estimate is probably a little under 300 billion in the next nine years. Um, it could be more. It could be half a trillion. I don't know. I, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Biden government, especially if they get all the sales they want, it's going to cost them a boatload of money. An absolute right. so, so that incentive program is if, just as a reminder to people is that it is, the government gives you money for every battery you produce for an electric vehicle. Well, they, it's twofold. And, and, and we've talked about it a few times, but it bears um, uh, repeating. Uh, there's IRA has two clauses that have to do with the, uh, with uh, subsidization, subsidization of cars. Uh, uh, one is 45 X. You get $35 a kilowatt hour, if you produce the battery in 
uh, only in the United States, and you get an additional $10 a kilowatt hour if the raw materials, the minerals are, so, are sourced in Canada, uh, US or Mexico. North America, um, right. Okay, so it's $45 a kilowatt hour. These uh, battery plants are either one or two gigawatt hour plants. Um, and so they are good for about a billion or $2 billion every single year between now and 2032. Okay. I'll repeat that again for everybody. <laughs> every one of these plants that you're hearing about going up in, in, um, in, in the United States and even the ones here. Okay. Is, uh, getting one to $2 billion every year like i what was volkswagen 13 and a half billion canadian dollars that works out to about a billion us per year between now and 2032 it's that's roughly where the numbers come uh it's roughly if you get the full 45 dollars it's about um a third of the price of product production of the entire battery it that includes the wages the materials it's just one third of the total cost and then you can also get um, to the consumers, seven thousand five hundred U.S. dollars to buy an uh, buy an electric car. That's their incentive. So in Canada, it's five thousand um, dollars Canadian from the federal government. In the states, it's seventy five hundred U.S., which is a little over ten grand. Now, what's really interesting is literally today um, it'll be um, in two days old news when this uh, podcast goes live. Um, the Treasury uh, uh, Department um, in the States announced that normally these this $7,500 would be a tax credit on the consumers year after taxes. So in other words, you could if you bought a car this year, you'd get a tax credit and you'd get the money back as a tax return or credit, I should say, um, in a year. What they're now doing is saying, no, 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 you could pass that credit along directly to the dealer you bought it from. So right off the bat, you you walk in uh, and if you qualify, the, if the car qualifies, you know, it has all the rules and the batteries is built in the States and everything else. And if you qualify for the thing, they just takes the dealer just takes seventy five hundred dollars off the uh, off the uh off the off the price of the car right at the time of purchase nobody's ever done that like the dealers are just salivating it's just <laughs> hilarious i mean it's just i mean no doubt and in the states they don't have to they don't have to sell it msrp remember so did, do you not think the dealers are just going to raise the price of the cars it's just uh, anyways um but you, you you tally it up there's like there can be you know, on an average car, and if they pass all the rules, and a lot of them will, because all the foreign domestic or uh, the foreign automakers, Hyundai and, and and others, are building plants in the states as a result of the IRA. There's going to be like twelve thousand five hundred dollars in the trunk of every EV built. You know, and that's that's simply not sustainable over the long haul. They're they're promising to do it all the way to twenty thirty two, but it's uh, like. Just billions upon billions. So what's but back to the uh, the problem versus China. So what's really funny is if you take that number twelve thousand five hundred US, it's sort of um, is right in the middle of the number I mentioned to you before, where the 
um, um, uh, Chinese automakers have a 10 to 15,000 euro advantage over their European counterparts. Now, it's obviously uh, America may be more efficient and everything else, but the number is roughly comparable, at least roughly. In other words, where no other manufacturer in, 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 uh, in the world, from Japan, from Europe, can compete with that $12,500 subsidy um, in, uh, um, in the States. And therefore, they have to bring their plants over here. China can. China can. They can, you know, they already, they, whether it's exactly $10,000 or exactly $15,000, plus or minus 1000 plus or minus $2,000, they are producing cars so cheaply that they'll still be competitive if they keep their plants in China, which, you know, there's no way I don't think that the Chinese would allow all their automakers to come and build plants here. So for one, they can be competitive and not get any subsidies. The only country I can think of now with the wherewithal to build a large number of top quality, cheaply priced EVs that could come to the United States and live without all the subsidies uh, that is being offered for domestic production and still be competitive, China is the only one. China is the only one. So I'm sure there are listeners to this saying, okay, when can I buy one of these inexpensive Chinese EVs? When, when is B, when's BYD going to be in Canada? Or have we heard I, anything I don't about know. that? I, I don't know. Nobody knows that. I mean, you know, we expected them. We've been talking, put it this way, we've been talking about the Chinese invasion for so long that we stopped talking about it five years ago because we started worrying about it 15 years ago. But it is happening finally in Europe. It actually is happening right now. So I can't see us being very far behind. What makes this even very, to my mind, even stranger is, okay, President Biden was was the um, instigator of the Inflation Reduction Act. It was very much his bill. It was very important to him um, to get... To get um, to get uh, domestic automakers and transplants who build here competitive with the Chinese. It, it, quite literally, the whole Inflation Reduction Act is protectionism against the Chinese. Okay. So he's, he's put, you know, call it $5,000 in every uh, auto, automaker's um, pocket for every battery they build. And yet the UAW just went on strike for I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, the original ask was 42% wage hikes. It's down to 32%, but then it's 32 hours of uh, 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 hour work week and all that stuff. It's hard to know exactly how much more, how much it will affect the price of each car. But General Motors just signed a deal or has said they will sign the deal. Sorry, pardon me, um, saying that the uh, co-production of batteries that they do with all in all these new battery plants, Samsung and all those, okay, those will now be union shops and, and they'll get this huge pay, pay increase um, that's uh, part of the UAW contract. I can't say exactly how much it, uh, it's going to raise the cost of producing a battery, but Biden on one hand, um, is giving say thirty-five or forty-five dollars a kilowatt hour to subsidize and reduce the cost of producing a battery in the United States. At the same time, he went to the to Michigan recently and and 
and said, please, you guys deserve every bit of all these pay increases, which is going to raise the price of batteries by I don't know how much, $10, $15 a kilowatt hour? I don't know. So on one hand, the, uh, the president of the United States gave $45 to the manufacturers um, um, uh, to make them cost competitive. And now he's encouraging the uh, uh, union to take 10 or $15 per kilowatt hour of that back. And like how that works uh, in trying to stave off competitive um, um, vehicles from China, I, I just don't understand how that works. Uh, yeah, sort of going in the other direction. It's it's very it's it's a bit like the Bank of Canada doing fiscal re, uh, uh, and monetary I mean monetary policy to be more restrictive of money to reduce inflation, while the Liberal government produces all these plans that are boosting inflation. You know, one side of the equation isn't talking to the other. Also, I know is that it's going to be really, really hard to sustain a competitive EV advantage for in North America, considering how much more cheaply the Chinese can build a car. And if we're going to do things like keep raising the price and then trying to take money from taxpayers to subsidize those raises of pricing, of pricing, it just doesn't make much sense. Well, let's leave it there. David, as always, you've made a lot of sense, and I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. Thanks, as always, David. I appreciate it. I, you know, I, you know, I, I you know, it'd be great if, if some of the listeners uh, wrote in and, uh, you know, I'd love for the, somebody to say, Dave, you missed this, and there's nothing to worry about, except that you got uh, the numbers don't add up. But I'd like to hear from the readers. Um, suggestions and, and criticisms and everything else. I really would. Yeah, they can just go on driving.ca, look for your motor mouth columns there. There's a comment section, so connect with David that way. And he will, uh, he engages, I can tell you from experience, he engages with everyone who questions what he said, um, rightly or wrongly. So consider that a uh, something you should do. An open invitation, if you will. An open invitation. Well, thanks for joining David and myself on the Motor Mouth Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Be sure to look for David's weekly Motormouth column on driving.ca every Friday. In addition to his senior writing duties for Post Media Driving, which includes the National Post and driving.ca, David hosts a panel series called Driving into the Future, which brings automotive and technology leaders to the table to discuss emerging topics in the mobility sector. The next season launches um, next month, so uh, be sure to hear about that. We'll be giving you dates on upcoming uh, Motormouth podcasts when those start to roll out. And if you're more of a podcast person than a video panel watcher, great news is we've recently converted Driving Into the Future panels into podcasts, which you can find now on the Motormouth Podcast channel on all the major podcast streaming services. For your dose of all things automotive, be sure to check out driving.ca, where you'll find the best in breaking news, videos, and reviews. And be sure to subscribe to the Motormouth Podcast and Post, Post Media's other related podcasts, plugged in pertaining to all things electric vehicles and hosted by yours truly, and the Driving Podcast, hosted by Lorraine Summerfield. Look out for the next Motor Mouth Podcast, which comes to you in three weeks' time. Thanks for joining us today. Mm-hmm.